A reading from Colossians 3, 12, 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a, a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. All right. Thank you so much, Felicity. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Uh, welcome to all of you. Welcome to all of you who are at home watching. Again, apologies for some tech issues at the beginning. Um, I mean, this is life, right? Um, I want to welcome you guys. My name is Danny Pierce. I'm the, the pastor here at Antioch Quincy. And I definitely want to reiterate and wish you a blessed National Serial Day, which is a worthy celebration, right? Um, I had Honey Nut Cheerios this morning, in case you were dying to know. Um, and if you are the sort of person that Alex referenced who puts your, your milk in first, just know that we, we're here to pray for you. Uh, just come on up after the service. We will lay hands on you and, and love you, despite the fact that that's just weird. Um, yeah, that's a good start to a sermon. Transition. Um, we've been in Colossians now for, for a little while, and uh, we're coming down to the home stretch. I hope that you guys have been blessed by, uh, by the time in this book. Um, and, and we've been on the, the, the overarching theme has been in Christ, uh, and there's a lot in this letter, and each week we kind of pick something, um, and, and even if we don't always draw attention to it, I hope that as you're reading through Colossians, you see a lot of what it says about what it means for us to be in Christ, uh, uh, who we are in Christ, what God has done for us in Christ. And so our... We're transitioning a little bit here in our theme for the day, excuse me, uh, that is connected to our big theme, um, is this that, um, I don't know who it was who first said this, um, and you may have heard me say it, and you're going to hear me many, many times say something like this in the years to come, um, but the, the ethical teachings of the New Testament, right, the, the how we're supposed to live, the practical um, things we should do or should not do, um, can actually be summarized in this, in this phrase, um, become who you are. Become who you are, which sounds a little odd, but the idea here is that who are we? Right? These are some of the things we've talked about. Who are we? Right? We are adopted sons and daughters of, of the Most High God. We are those who have been redeemed. We have been saved. We have been reconciled. Right? Some of these terms that we've used uh, throughout. We are people called to um, and enabled, empowered by the Spirit of the living God to live lives pleasing to the Lord. You might remember that phrase from back in chapter 1. Become who you are. Um, and if you think about it this way, this is an imperfect analogy, but we'll go with it. Um, if, uh, and throughout human history, and there have been kingdoms, right, monarchies, and sometimes what has happened is that a child becomes a king. Right? So a king dies, and his eight-year-old son, for example, becomes the king. He is the king. But there's not a single eight-year-old in the history of the world, except for maybe Jesus, who is actually capable of acting like a king. Right? So what, what happens is he spends the next however many years learning to become what he already is. He's learning to be a king. 
even though technically he is already a king. Does that make sense? So in the same way, we are children of God. We have had, if we said this over and over again at different points, our old nature that is, that is uh, against God, we have had that cut off and we have been made new. We have our new creation in Christ. And so now we are learning to live like that. It has already happened. And we are now learning to become who we are. Does that make sense? And so uh, I'm, just, I'm giving a fair warning. I'm going to say that a lot because I'm so convinced that it is, it is a, a great summary of the biblical teaching on, what it, on how we are supposed to live. We are working out what God has already worked in our hearts. Okay, so this passage we're looking at today, um, thank you again to Felicity. She, she read the last part. Some of these we try to shorten the reading for, for the sake of children. <laughs> um, and there's one or two words in here that we couldn't pronounce, so we opted not to read them out loud. Uh, but um, this passage, it kind of takes two angles, right? Don't do this, do this. That's, that's fairly common. Um, verses 5 through 10 uh, the, these focus on things that we should avoid, right? Things that are inconsistent with who we are. So here, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, we can also have it on the screen. It's also printed in your bulletin, for those of you who, who don't have your Bible with you. Okay. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Okay. So you get the idea, this builds on things that we have already said. You have died with Christ. We have talked about that phrase each of the last probably three weeks. You have died with Christ. Your old nature has been cut off, right? So put to death your earthly nature. We practically live out what Christ has already done for us, okay? So in the earthly nature looks like this, what we just read, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, filthy language, uh, anger, rage, malice. I'm not going to go through each one of these. I think most of us know what these words mean, and just for the sake of time, and we're not going to break it all down. Uh, these are things that are completely inconsistent with who we are. So we put those to death. We kill those tendencies. Um, now, I want to point something out here, because I think this is really important, uh, um, that we can easily breeze over, right? Um, you'll notice that these sins that are listed here, um, they, are, they are community sins, right? That is, they require a community of people, a group of people to commit these sins. So we tend to read the Bible individualistically, right? What it says about me as a person. But the truth is that the Bible is community-oriented, Okay? It's written to churches or groups of churches. Um, now, this obviously involves decisions and actions of individuals, but it really is a group endeavor, okay? Um, and so things like, I mean, just go through the list. How many of these require at least one other person in order for them to happen, right? Um, quite a few of them. Uh, and, and so it implies, it implies a community. But not only that, 
right? This is talking about community relationships in the church. It implies a community that is actually involved in each other's lives. In other words, if I said this, if I said, okay, guys, we, uh, we need to put aside anger towards each other. And if all I meant was the hour or hour and 15 minutes that we gather together on Sunday morning, that really would not be very difficult, right? For most of us, if I said, just try today, right now, don't get angry with each other, we could pull this off. You guys agree? Maybe not every week. But most weeks, we can pull this off. Depends on how many kids you have and if they're running around and hitting people. Um, it implies, right, that the community is in, it, it, that we are involved in each other's lives enough that these things can come up, right? That there is a temptation towards being angry with each other or being greedy with our time or our money or our resources, right? It implies all of these things, Okay. So these are sins committed, yes, by individuals, but they do have group implications. I mean, just imagine a community, a church, right, where, where lust and immorality are the norm. Uh, imagine a community where, where anger and greed run through all of our relationships. Okay? Well, imagine a community where the way we speak to each other, which gets highlighted in these verses, right? Slander, or, or the, the inappropriate way of speaking to each other. Lying, right? The basic breakdown, right? The breakdown of trust in that, each other, that we speak the truth to each other. You, you, you make these things commonplace in a community, we would have no hope of becoming who we are. Do you understand? If, we, if these are things that mark a community, mark a church, right, and these interactions, the way we re relate to each other, we are not going to be who, uh, who God has created us to be. These things are not who we are. These are not the things that Christ has worked into our heart. Right? We have taken off the old self. Uh, you go to verse, verse 9, right? Since you have taken off the old self with its practices. This is already something we've talked about. We have put on the new self. And what is this new self? And I, I really love this. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Okay, so let's play a little game, Sunday school game here. The image of its creator. Who is the creator? In Colossians, we've already gone through Colossians 1. Who's the creator? God. And more specifically, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Score, you get points. Parents, buy your children a gift. Um, right? We are being renewed in the image of our Creator. This is just, it's a, it's a fancy way of reminding us that the goal is to become more like Jesus. Again, something we've said many, many times. The goal is to become more like Jesus. The same Jesus who gave himself up for his people. Right? The same Jesus who embodies none of the sins that we just read. Right? He is the example we follow. Right? He has given us a new nature, and that nature looks like Him. Right? And so our call is to live consistently with that. Now, this is fairly... Um, I feel like these verses, it's fairly easy to understand. I don't think there's anything I've said that was particularly controversial or, or perhaps too difficult, at least I hope not. Um, and then we run into verse 11. Right? which seems completely random 
I mean, if, if you think about this, and if you haven't noticed, I do point these out a lot, don't I? Um, verse 11. Here, I think that means like in Christ, or in, 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 in the image of the Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian. I'll let you guess how to pronounce the next word. Slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Alex and I had like long conversations. It's Scythian, Scythian, Scythian. I'm going with Scythian. That's my, that's my go of it too. Um, I go with Scythian or Scythian. I don't know. We need, we need to take a vote, but not now. Um, now this verse, it does in some ways uh, feel kind of random, right? Be renewed in the image of your creator. By the way, there is no Gentile, no Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, any of these things. None of them count for anything. And you're like, so how does that connect? Okay. And here's what I think we're getting at a little bit. And this is on the theme of, of these are, this is about a, a church, about a community of people. The fact is, and this might not be a popular thing to say, but it's, it's just true. Um, this is, refers to the challenge of a diverse community. Okay? The challenge of a diverse community. Um, the body of Christ, the church, is made up of all sorts of people. Okay? The, the, the examples he chooses here hits on a number of different things. The Jew and Gentile uh, issue was the single biggest issue of the early church. How do these two relate? Okay? Um, but he's, he's bringing in cultural, ethnic backgrounds, right? Um, religious backgrounds. Uh, the whole barbarian and Scythian. I mean, these are like the worst of the worst, right? The Scythians are almost like a, a mythological group of people, just these wild barbarians who lived off in the distance, right? The boogeymen. And Paul is saying all of these make up the people of God. But there's a challenge to this, okay? And, and most of us, I think, in this room, and, and we are broadly, uh, except for the children, in roughly the same age group, correct? I mean, most of us are in the Gen X, millennial crowd. We do have some more who are not here today who, who fit differently. Um, and we use words like diversity all the time. We want a, we want a diverse church. We want diversity. And, but here's the thing, and I agree. I think it's wonderful. This passage is a clear example that that actually is an accurate picture of the people of God. But it does create a challenge. Okay? It can be uncomfortable. I, am freak, I frequently say a commitment to diversity is a commitment that everyone will be uncomfortable at least some of the time. And I'm not just speaking about ethnic diversity. We're talking about social, economic diversity, class, all these different things. It can make for an uncomfortable scenario. Um, but... And I notice I use the word the challenge, not an obstacle, right? An obstacle is something you defeat. Diversity is not an obstacle. We don't just try to get through it. It's a challenge that forces you, you embrace it, you embrace it to become who you really are, okay? So like if you want to live healthy, you want to treat your body well, sickness is an obstacle that you have to attack head on to get through, right? That's not a challenge that you embrace. The challenge you embrace is whatever, Eating right, exercise, not eating too much cereal, right? That sort of thing. So I think this isn't actually random at all. It's that this is actually part of the key. All of these people that he's referring to here, regardless of race, ethnicity, social background, economic background, personality types, gender, all these different things, 
all of these people have been created in the image of God. This goes right back to Genesis 1. And when we realize the importance of this, that all people are created in the image of God, right? We have all been in, created in His image. Christ's people are being renewed, refashioned in this image. Right? We, will, we actually have grounds for unity in the body. Do you understand? We relate, and I know maybe I'm being a bit difficult. Um, if you want the easy road, you go to church with people who are just like you. Right? But when you start to, to recognize the image of God in all people, and you realize that that actually levels the playing field, regardless of, of any of those things we're talking about, you can actually have true unity in the body of Christ. Because on the baseline level, every single person is the same. We are created in the image of God. And in Christ, we are being renewed and refashioned in His image. If we embrace this, and it's a challenge, but if we embrace it, we will actually become who we are, who we were created to be. But, I mean, we can keep going here. Because um, it's not enough to list all the, the bad things we shouldn't do, right? Don't do these things. Um, and then just try our best to avoid them. Uh, we need some, some guidance, right, as to how we're supposed to live. Um, what does it look like? What does it look like to become who we are? Let's get to verse 12. Let the peace of Christ... Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. Therefore, that's next week. I got so excited. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Um... So you notice here how it starts. Right? It tells us, who are we, right? Who are we? We are chosen. We are holy. We are dearly loved, right? These are the things who we are. Now, what does it look like to live like this, right? How do we live like this? And I, I like this. It's interesting phrase. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, uh, we're to clothe, clothe ourselves in these. And that's what I find interesting. Um, these are the things that we wear everywhere we go. Okay? There's an old saying that I don't believe is true, but it remind, I remember this, of the, you know, the clothing makes the man. Has anybody ever heard this before? I don't like that phrase. But the bottom line is, you can be known for your clothing. Let's see, how, let's, quick test, how well you guys know me, for those of you who've known me for a while. Um, tomorrow... What shirt will I wear? A black t-shirt with what? A little pocket right here. My daughter. No, I'm not talking to you. You see me every day. Right? All right so those of you who know me, I, if I am not wearing a button-up, which basically means not Sunday morning, I wear a black t-shirt with a little pocket right here pretty much every day. Correct? You guys see me? Okay. Uh, and that's mainly just laziness, and I don't have to choose what to wear. So I literally have a drawer with 12 of those shirts, and I just pull one out and pop it on. Never have to think about it. Not recommending this, and my wife loves it, but this is just what I do. But you know me, right? You could see me from a distance. Oh, there's Danny, right? 
The, sometimes clothing can mark you. These are the things that can, people can spot, spot you, right? People can spot the people of God because, why? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, okay? And you'll notice in these verses that there is a recognition of the potential difficulties, right? Because he says, what is, bear with each other, right? Forgive one another. Um, one of the things I, I really appreciate the Bi- about the Bible, it is very realistic, okay? Uh, sometimes Christians, I feel like, can get caught up in this wishful fantasy, right? That we all get saved, we get baptized, and then we never have conflict again, okay? How many people have left churches throughout, uh, throughout church history because they couldn't deal with the conflict because they felt like something, this, this expectation that this stuff wouldn't happen? But the Bible is far more realistic, right? It's not that, that difficulties won't come up. It's that we handle them. We handle them with patience, right? Bear with one another. Uh, we handle them with, with forgiveness, right? And this is especially true going back to the point I just made about diversity, right? The, the wider range of, of uh, personalities and, and different types of people you have in your church, the higher potential for conflict. But... As the people of God, chosen, holy, dearly loved, we have patience with each other, we forgive each other, okay? We handle them in a way that is patterned on how God handles us. Forgiveness, right? Forgive as the Lord forgave you, it says. We handle in a way that, that is leading us to true unity, not where we push people aside because they, it, it, the diversity part of, is too hard, but we, we actually come together. Okay, uh, we handle in a way that is based on love. Why? Because we are loved by God. So, in short, in short, we become who we are. Now, I want to um, return to this idea um, that these verses that we're looking at today um, are are built on on everything that has has come before in this letter. Uh, most of the time. In the first two chapters, there's a, there's a lot of focus on uh, what Christ has done for us. Right? He's given us a new nature and so on. Um, and the, the shift in these verses, as I said, they're not just moving on. Okay, now we got that theology stuff out of the way. Let's get on to the practical. It's not moving on. It's propelling forward, right? That is, the, the, all this stuff that we have talked about in the previous weeks give us power to move forward and actually live like the people of God. It gives us power and enables us to become who we are. And so, as a response today, I want us to take some time to kind of reconnect, reconnect to this source of this power, the one who has made us who we are. That it's in Christ, we are a part of the people of God, right? We are called to live like Christ, selflessly, loving, forgiving, patient with each other. Um, and this is really, honestly, only possible because of what Christ has done for us. If you do it on your own strength, your patience will run out for each other incredibly quickly. If we try to drum up love for each other, for people who are not like us, who make us feel uncomfortable in a, in a natural sense, if you try to just love them and plow through in love on your own strength, it will run out quickly. 
It just simply isn't possible for us to live out this vision of the people of God on our own strength, right? Without being connected to this power source for us. So Kelly and and Jonathan, come on up. Um, I want us to take a little bit of time. I'm going to pray. And part of how we're going to respond is to confess our desperate need for Jesus to help us, right? To help us live out this calling, to help us be who He has created us to be. To be loving and patient and kind, compassionate, right? And if this, inv- this may involve for some of us uh, a time of, of repentance, right? Um, if you've had to repent or need to repent to people, maybe in this room or outside of this room, this sort of thing. Or it could just be that you go up and you encourage somebody. I see this in you, right? I see compassion. I see kindness. I see patience in you. Well, I want to give the Lord the space. So, uh, Father, we confess that we simply cannot live this out on our own, Lord. That our compassion, our love, our kindness, our patience, Lord, it will, it will uh, drain empty. Lord, it will drain empty far too quickly for us to make a dent. So we need you, Lord. Fill us with your compassion, your patience, your love for each other. So God, we commit this time to you. Speak to us. Reveal areas in our lives where we are not living consistently with who you have called us to be. And Lord, help us to propel forward, not on our own strength, but by the strength that you have given us already. So we commit this time to you, Lord. Speak to us.